0: The Bible contains great financial advice and also answers questions of morality. Join us as we look for answers to your questions and help you Know Your Bible. Good morning. Welcome to Know Your Bible. We're glad you're back this week. We hope we have the answer to your question today and uh, we'll try to answer as many as we can and hopefully get to yours. If you're a first-time viewer and wonder what uh, we're talking about, answering questions, that's what we do on this program is answer viewers' questions. We want people to know their Bible. That's why we named the program that. And we want to uh, encourage Bible study. And we found the best way to do that is just let people tell us what they've always wondered about or what they don't understand. And then we'll try to explain that. And uh, maybe you'll know a little bit more about your Bible, and maybe you'll want to study your Bible a little bit more. So that's the way we do it. There's a phone number and a website at the bottom of the screen. Use those anytime you want. That uh, puts you in touch with us and lets us know what you want us to talk about. You direct the program and tell us what to talk about. So that's how we work, and uh, we'll get busy here. Let me introduce Toby Levering, my partner here that answers questions each week. Good morning, Toby. Hi, Steve. Welcome back to the show. And I know you're studied up and ready to go. And I know our viewers are waiting for their first question uh, so they see if they know this little bit of Bible information. Uh, Today's question for our viewers is What two books of the Bible are named after women? Out of the 66 in the book, there's two of them that are named for women. Give you the answer to that at the end of the program. See if you and your family know that one. I think you drew the first one and uh sounds like a fun one here to well, discuss the you know, mark <laughs> of the we beast.
1: We say as we get on this program all sorts of questions. I'm getting a question I have never had before, uh, <laughs> so we'll just look at it together. Uh, they say, how does the mark of the beast in Revelation 14 relate Exodus chapter 13 verse 9? and I'll be very honest I had to look and do some digging to try to figure out uh what this pertains to my answer directly is that they are not directly related uh the idea uh let's look at what they're talking about so we can clue in some of our other viewers uh who were maybe a little bit confused Exodus chapter 13 verses 7 through 9 Eat unleavened bread during those seven days. Nothing with yeast in it is to be seen among you, nor shall any yeast be seen anywhere within your borders. On that day, your son, tell your son, I do this because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. This observance will be for you like a sign on your hand and a reminder on your forehead that this law of the Lord is to be on your lips, for the Lord brought you out of Egypt with his mighty hand. Now the I believe the phrase here, a sign on your hand, and a reminder on your forehead. Uh, viewers reading along and they say, On your hand and on your forehead, that sounds like something else in the bible and uh, what they see or what they're probably most likely reminded on is the uh, the most famous or rather infamous sign uh, revelation chapter 14 people get uh, really concerned and we've had questions about before what is the mark of the beast and this is we're going to look at this revelation chapter 14 Verses 9 through 12. A third angel followed them and said in a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and its image and receives its mark on their forehead or on their hand, they too will drink the wine of God's fury, which has been poured full strength into the cup of his wrath. They will be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and the Lamb. And a viewer reads these two things and says, There must be a connection um the the best connection that i can make and it's really a stretch here is in exodus chapter 14 when god is reminding them i'm sorry exodus chapter 13 he's saying remember the meaning of the unleavened bread and in revelation 14 uh mm-hmm. the sign of the on the the head and on the hand uh, we don't know what the mark was. I believe it was something that happened in the first century. I believe it was something the Christians of that time would have understood. And as John says at the beginning of the book, it was something shortly to come to pass. But whatever it was, you couldn't forget. If it was on your hand, if it was on your head, if it was a literal mark, or even if it was a, 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 a symbolic mark, it was something that you thought about all the time. And that you, you, when you worked with your hands and you thought, work with your mind it was always you were always aware of it and this is the idea of the head and the hand um, in scripture Jews wore scriptures on their arms and and on their head they called them phylacteries and the, the goal was just to have God's word preeminent on your on your mind and in your hands as you work uh, but the two are not at all. Related, uh, there are things as we read through the Bible and we think, Oh, this is similar to that, and sometimes it's foreshadowing, sometimes it's giving us a picture of this or and and there is a similarity, but sometimes it's just uh, um, uh a, a kind of a coincidence you might say, um, but there's no real application other than know God's Word well and know it well enough that it's always on your mind and always in your hands and always. Everything you do, uh, God's Word is a part of that. So, best I could take a stab at it.
0: Very good, not related <laughs> at all, really, just uh, kind of kind of similar in yep. some ways. Alright, you were asked a big question here. What are the duties of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit? Uh, well, my, to answer that fully, or to answer what they do, uh, the whole concept of them having duties, uh, seems a little strange to me. Uh, when you're God, I'm not sure you have mm-hmm. duties. You can kind of do whatever you want. Uh, but uh, what do they do? Probably a better way to word the question. What are the roles of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit? What do they do, each of them, if they're separate uh, personalities within the Trinity? Uh, let me start with this. They are so completely one uh, that it's really hard to distinguish that only this can be done by this member of the Trinity. Uh, A lot of times uh, even the language of the Bible uh, says different things. When it's talking about the Holy Spirit, sometimes it calls the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it calls him the Spirit of Christ. Sometimes it calls him the Spirit of God. Uh, So everything kind of gets mixed up since they're so closely one. Uh, And in creation and everything else, Uh, We could probably find some verses and say, "Well, I think Christ did this and Jehovah did this." And uh, I think the best place to try to think about it is in the whole story of salvation. Uh, Do they have a role? Do they have a duty in salvation? In in that area, I think we can say that. Yeah, it's it's kind of divided. Uh, in a way we can understand it. Uh, God is the one who determined how we were going to be saved. It talks about the Father knowing from the beginning <clears throat> how he was going to save mankind from mankind's own sin. Uh, he He planned that out. He had a, a way that it was going to happen. It involved the Son coming to earth and sacrificing himself. Okay, That was the plan of the Father. So he came up with how... And then Jesus implemented the plan uh, by coming to earth. Uh, As a member of the Trinity, he gave up his godly attributes in some way and came to earth and uh, humbled himself even to death on the cross, the writer says. So he implemented the plan in that sense. Excuse me. He carried out the plan. And the Holy Spirit then gave people the new spirit, gave them the new birth that uh, Jesus talked about. You have to be born again, he told Nicodemus. And the Holy Spirit is the one that works that in us when we are baptized. But the other thing the Holy Spirit did was he reminded the apostles of everything Jesus taught them, and he supervised the writing down of the New Testament. So the Holy Spirit made sure that the plan and the implementation of the plan, Jesus' sacrifice, would be known about forever. He gave us uh, the Bible, and in it we read all about that. We learn about what the Father had planned, we learn about how Jesus implemented and carried out the plan, and we're reading it because the Holy Spirit gave us the book to do so. So, in that sense I guess all those roles, duties are separate. Um, now, we could probably do that with other things besides the plan of salvation, but I think that's the, the best one to see some differences there uh, in the members of the Trinity. So, hope that helps you understand the duties of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.
1: Okay. uh, uh my up next? Let's yeah, I think see here. so. You got <laughs> okay. some drug
0: questions. All right, yes. Yeah,
1: so does God, uh, viewer wants to know, <clears throat> what does the Bible say about drugs? Okay, well, um uh, when we talk about drugs in our world, uh, there's two types. One is uh legal, prescribed by a doctor, it's for a medical condition. It's helpful, it's useful, it's purposeful, uh product of of science and so forth. And um uh, that's, you know, I think that's one thing and then the other is illegal drugs that are uh, not prescribed, and they're uh, foreign substances that are cooked up or, or plants that are sniffed or snorted or whatever, um, and they're they're destructive, they're harmful, uh, they don't help you in any way. And So when the person asks about drugs, I'm going to run with the assumption they're talking about the second category. Uh, we're not talking about a person on blood pressure medication, okay, um, but the Bible really uh, doesn't say anything about drugs specifically. It doesn't say, um, never mentions the word drugs, and, and, and near as we can tell, uh, doesn't reference it anecdotally or via command. Uh, so it gives us some principles. When we when we're looking for a subject, and the Bible doesn't address it, then we then we have to step up and go, okay, what are the principles we're looking at, and uh, does drug use, illegal drug use, violate any of those principles? Well, I think one is uh first and foremost, uh you gotta take care of your body. Uh, 1 first Corinthians chapter six, these verses will not be on the screen. Uh first Corinthians chapter six, nineteen and twenty says your body's a temple of the Holy Spirit. And that means you gotta take care of it. That means you gotta eat right, it means you gotta exercise, it means you gotta not put things into it that are gonna harm it, uh and do damage to it. And most all of illegal drugs are illegal for a reason. Uh, because uh, uh, unbiased scientists have have studied it and see there's a lot more harm that comes than good. And so certainly we're damaging the temple. Number two, this is a big one, letting something else control you. Uh, Letting a foreign substance take over your mind where you lose self-control. And a lot of crimes are committed by people who are heavily under the influence of alcohol or drugs because they have lost all self-control. And that's a huge one. The Bible's very clear, especially for Christians, that we ought to practice self-control. We ought to let the Spirit control us and control ourselves and not any anything else. Uh, number three, <clears throat> the idea of being uh, uh, self-controlled and alert. This kind of relates to... The earlier point, but we gotta we've gotta got pay attention to things around us. are under for uh, example, if we're under the influence, we're not going to do that. And the last one is setting a good example for other people. If you're a Christian, your life should shine and, and does send a message to other people. If you're using illegal drugs, you're breaking the law, you're letting other things control you, and you're letting other things influence you, uh, which should not be. So, those are the principles that violates. Let me give you a verse, since I didn't specifically spell one out. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled upright and godly lives in this present age so certainly using illegal drugs that are harmful uh, is not appropriate or helpful for a Christian hope that helps All
0: the right. viewer yep very good thank you we talk about a good way to study the Bible for just a moment uh, I know we answer a few questions and hopefully help People know their Bible a little bit better by the time we're done with our half hour each week. Uh, But there's a lot more in the Bible. It's God's book. It's His message to us. And we encourage our viewers to study it themselves, read it themselves, and see what God has to say to them. Uh, We provide a lot of free study materials to help you do that. We're glad to send those to you in the mail uh, don't charge you a penny for them. Uh, you don't even have to pay the postage to send them back and get them uh, scored for you. Uh, but we've got a number of different courses. You see the first course on the screen now. It's just a good basic uh, Bible study. It's not tied to any denomination or creed or anything else. Uh, it's just a study of the Bible, a good basic look over the Bible. And uh, we've got eight lessons in It, it starts with... Explaining the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament, which is essential to understanding the Bible. If you don't know the difference between those two, you're going to have some problems. But uh, that's where it starts. Explains that to you, and you learn a whole lot about uh, who wrote what and what's in the when things happened, and just a great overview of the Bible. We've got old-time Bible students that call us and tell us, well, we really remembered a lot as we studied that. And we've got a lot of very new students that say, Boy, that opened my eyes. I know what the Bible's about now. And uh, they continue on through a number of more difficult or more advanced studies that help them really understand the Bible. So we provide all that. We just want you to know your Bible and happy to help you any way we can. If that interests you, just call the phone number, log on to the website, say, I want that free course. Lesson number one will come to your house with a return envelope and a stamp on it. Uh, and you can just keep right on studying as long as you want with Know Your Bible Study Tools. So give us a call or log on. All right. Interesting question here. What does the Bible, where does the Bible talk about threads in your socks? Uh, My minister says it's no worse to practice homosexuality than wearing the wrong socks. Well, we'll explain the threads in just a moment, but first let me express my uh, sorrow that you have to attend somewhere, I assume you're forced to listen to that and can't leave for some reason Uh, but if you get a minister that mocks the Bible like that uh, and uses tricks like that to try to uh, negate something that the Bible calls an abomination, uh, I'm sorry for you. Uh, But let me, for those folks that don't have to listen to something like that, let me explain the trick that that minister is using. Uh, and try to explain about the threads in the socks. All right. The technique, first of all, that this minister is using is taking something ridiculous in today's world and equating it to something very serious, homosexuality, and making fun of the whole thing. Okay. That minister knows very well the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. He knows the Old Testament is not in effect today. We don't have to follow the old dietary rules and everything else that the Israelites did. But they want to get around somehow the clear teaching of the Bible that homosexuality is wrong. So they'll say something like, well, the Bible also says you can't eat pork. So homosexuality is no worse than eating barbecue. Okay. Well, they're making fun of things there. They're, they're equating two things that aren't equal and ridiculing it. Now, this viewer, as uh, minister, has picked threads in your socks, which I'm not re- really sure it says socks in there, I, I didn't find that, but it does talk about cloth and it's very, uh, I, I'll give you the verse that he's talking about, Deuteronomy 22.11, let's look at that. The Israelites were told, you shall not wear cloth of wool and linen mixed together. So don't wear any cloth that's got wool and linen mixed in it. Now today, uh, on a superficial level, that sounds silly does us. You know, why does God care if you mix wool and linen? Well a little Bible study helps. If you read the Old Testament a little bit, you'll find out that this wool and linen mixture thing was <clears throat> what the priests wore. It was a special cloth. It set them apart. And so God told the common people, you don't wear that cloth. That's for priests. They're a special uh, set of people, and you don't dress like them. Okay. Now, we understand that today when you say it like that. Uh, there are laws against dressing up like a policeman. You can't put on a policeman's uniform and go walking around and telling people what to do because they'll think you have the authority of a policeman. Well, you don't. Only policemen have that authority, so we don't wear their uniforms. Exactly what God was saying. Priests are special. Their their uniform, their wool and linen mix set them apart. You don't dress like that. Now, that's not something to be made fun of, that's not something to be made mocked. Uh, It was a law that God had for people, and it makes perfect sense. Now this viewer's minister takes that, equates it to homosexuality, and makes fun of the whole thing. The difference is homosexuality is condemned both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. New Testament Christians, uh, God doesn't tell me anything about what kind of socks I can wear. Okay, It's just not mentioned. Well, he does mention homosexuality and says that's bad, that's wrong, it's an abomination, it's a sin, and it condemns people. So, uh, I'm sorry your minister uses that uh, childish technique to try to uh, teach you something that's wrong, but that's what that means, that's what the threads in the th- socks thing is. Uh, you can wear wool and linen socks all you want. They don't sound very comfortable to me, but you can <laughs> you can wear them all you want. It doesn't have anything to do with anything today. All right, Toby, why don't you well, take one here? And,
1: and on that question, it just disheartens <laughs> me that you know, like you said, that someone uh, treats so uh, poorly the Word of God, and uh, you know, I, I just would want to encourage that person. If you know find a Church of Christ <laughs> near you and and find the group of people who cut the word straight and or sign up for the Bible correspondence course and yeah. you know that's so much of what we teach on this program is context <laughs> wow. helping people understand
0: well and maybe I was a little harsh there on some of that, but the, anybody that knows anything about debate knows that when you resort to tactics like that, yeah. That means you haven't got a good argument. Right, exactly. You know, if you've got a good argument, uh, you argue the case. Right. You argue the point. You, right. you make good points about what your position is. When you can't do that, right. which you can't because the Bible is so clear about homosexuality being wrong, right. then you resort to tricks like that uh, yeah. to sway the crowd a different direction. And if they don't know about wool and linen, that might work. you know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> just,
1: just the idea of mocking the Word of God is, you know, I. Uh, the viewers on this program appreciate the Word of God and I'm I'm glad we were able to, to help nope. them with that. So, next question, a viewer wants to know, does God understand when someone is physically unable to attend worship? Uh, my answer to you is yes, God absolutely understands. If you're watching this program from home, you have physical problems that prevent you from getting out. Uh, Steve and I get approached by people all the time who say, i love to watch the program uh, I'm not able to uh, attend, I have physical problems that prevent me from doing so, and I, uh, we we hear from them via letters and emails and so forth, and we're glad that we can provide this. Um, in terms of attending worship, there's probably two extremes. One is kind of a legalistic mindset, i got to be there every time the doors are open and, and God's up there checking the attendance list, and if I miss one time, He's going to Drop the hammer. Uh, the other is the other extreme of that, which is I, I don't. I don't have to go to church. I never need to go to church. Uh, uh, it's not. I can be a Christian on my own, and and uh, I don't need to worry about. I love Jesus, and and I don't really care for the church. Well. <laughs> That extreme is not good either. Uh, God says in His Word that worship is good for us. Uh, there's a lot of benefits that we get. I just made a short list that <laughs> we get teaching from the when we come together for collectively to worship as a body of Christians. We, we get teaching from the Bible. You go to a Bible class or hear from the sermon, but you get to hear from other Christians how they're acting on that in their own lives. You get encouragement. Other people who are in your life situation who have been through what you're going through who can pray with you? Uh, you get praying and singing. Those things are encouraging to us, build us up. Fellowship, just having relationship with other Christians, and and being with the, with each other and for each other as you go along through life's journey serving one another you hear about opportunities where people have need or people need help or or people are uh, uh, wondering some things you can serve them uh, by being there Uh, of course the opportunity to give to the local needs to the church uh, there to so they can uh, minister and, and do mission work and all of that, and the partaking of communion and, and doing that each first day of the week. Lots of good things come from corporate worship. And so if you're a person who, you know, you're just kind of like, well, I love Jesus, not the church. You know, Jesus said, Jesus is the head and the church is the body. You know, you can't have the head without the body. You can't have the body without the head. You've got to have both. So, uh, if you're able to go, uh, you should know what a benefit and a blessing it is to worship with a God centered, Bible believing, Bible teaching <coughs> church. And that's truly a blessing. Now, unlike our viewer if you're in a situation where you just physically can't God absolutely understands and the beautiful thing is we've got television we've got internet Uh, at Northside we have live streaming folks that are stuck at home, stranded at home, unable to get out, are able to worship even though they physically can't be there, they can still gain the benefits of corporate worship. So let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16-18. through We do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being <laughs> renewed day by day, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen? For what is unseen is temporary. But what is uh, for what is seen is temporary. But what is unseen is eternal. So I hope that helps, and I hope it's an encouragement to you.
0: Right, thank you Toby? Uh, the viewer wants to know why, or does the Bible uh, mention black people? Uh, why does the church not teach about racial acceptance? Well, let me do the first one first. Does the Bible mention black people? This may amaze you, but not really. Uh, The Bible doesn't talk about races. The Bible talks about humans, talks about mankind, it talks about all of us being one. Now, it does talk about tribes and uh, people of different religious. Uh, the pagans and all that. But it doesn't talk about races in any way. Let me give you three that might be black, and that's the best I can do for you here. Uh, Three different people in the Bible that probably were black. Uh, Zipporah, Moses' wife, it says she was a Cushite, and Cush is an old name for Africa, so she was probably black. Uh, The Queen of Sheba says she came from the south. She was probably black, and the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8 was from Ethiopia, a pretty good conclusion he was black. But the Bible doesn't say so, the Bible doesn't mention that about any of them, it's just man's conclusions. Uh, so the Bible does not talk about black people. Now the, the second part, uh, why does the church, the church not teach about racial acceptance? I disagree with that. Uh, I think the slave trade in England was stopped by Christian principles and Christian men and women. Uh, I think the U.S. slave trade was also. I think the U.S. civil rights movement was led by Christian pastors uh, and people of Christian background. Uh, I think the church has had a lot to do with racial acceptance, uh, and I'd take a little exception to that person's contention there, but the Bible talks about us all as humans. We're all one. All right, let me take just a moment and invite you to visit a Church of Christ near you. Let me mention two today, the one in Oxford and the one in Pratt. Steve Triplett preaches out there. I know you'd enjoy hearing him and visiting with the folks in Pratt, uh, both great places. Uh, If you live in one of those communities, drop in and tell them you heard about them on Know Your Bible. Uh, If you're looking for a church home, you'd be warmly welcomed at any of those places and any Church of Christ in whatever viewing area you're in. Let's answer our trivia question today, and it was about uh, what two books of the Bible are named after women, and what those two were. Ruth and Esther are the two out of the sixty-six. We're glad you've been with us today. Uh, don't have time for any more questions, but we'll come back next week and try to knock a few more of them off. Until then, we hope you have a great week. The